Have you not known? Have you not heard? Has it not been told you from the beginning? Have you not understood from the foundations of the earth? It is God who sits above the circle of the earth, and its inhabitants are like grasshoppers, who stretches out the heavens like a curtain and spreads them like a tent to live in, who brings princes to naught and makes the rulers of the earth as nothing. Scarcely are they planted, scarcely sown, scarcely has their stem taken root in the earth when he blows upon them, and they wither, and the tempest carries them off like stubble. To whom then will you compare me, or who is my equal, says the Holy One? Lift up your eyes on high and see, who created these? God, who brings out their host and numbers them, calling them all by name, because God is great in strength, mighty in power, not one is missing. Why do you say, O Jacob, and speak, O Israel, my way is hidden from the Lord, and my right is disregarded by my God? Have you not known? Have you not heard? The Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth. He does not faint or grow weary. His understanding is unsearchable. He gives power to the faint and strengthens the powerless. Even youths shall faint and be weary, and the young will fall exhausted. But those who wait for the Lord shall renew their strength, and they shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. This is the word of God for the people of God. Right. It's bad enough I got you kind of behind me over here. Let's have a quick prayer. Lord, may the words of my mouth and the meditation of our hearts be acceptable in your sight this morning. My prayer is that these thy people will see less of me and more of thee until they see all of thee and none of me. Amen. I love my family, truly, my brothers and sisters and my parents. And although that statement out of context may not be too surprising for many of you, I assure you that there are times in my past when it would have been difficult to say those words so freely and honestly. It may also be of note that I am open to the possibility that there may even be times in the future when I don't feel quite so benevolent towards them. And I'm also completely aware that they would probably say the same thing about me. These oppositional feelings may even resonate with many of you since paternal and familial relationships are often complicated, dysfunctional, and seemingly beyond our control. My family can be crazy, and I have a pretty good inclination that yours can too. Now, along the same vein, despite their general craziness and our present feeling towards one another, there are specific instances of stress and dysfunction that stand out above the rest. There are times when we have devolved into tears, yelling, and fits of aggression, both passive and direct. There are memorable moments that have left lasting scars on my heart and soul. Words or events that remain contentious to this very day. I am, of course, talking about family vacations. Oh, yes. When I was younger, we would pack up the van 
with our suitcases and various supplies for trips to the beach, the mountains, or to visit, you know, extended family members whose names I never remember. Our preparation was manageable. And once we got to our destination, things were fine. But from the moment we left our driveway until the moment we pulled into the hotel or campsite, it was as if we were on some horrendous game show where points were awarded for the snarkiest comment. And bonus rounds were based off of how many times we had to grab the old crap handle. You have those in your car? Only grabbed it a few times last night, Fred. In the days before GPS and smartphones, when traveling involved spreading folded maps across the dashboard, when the compliance of children was based entirely upon their supply of AA batteries that powered their Game Boys and Disc Men, not Walkmen, not iPods, there was a, a time of Disc Men where CDs were playing. Um, before built-in movie screens and Bluetooth headsets, before USB chargers and before international laws were apparently updated uh, to prevent child endangerment and forced imprisonment, um, my parents would constrain four teenagers into the back of a gray Dodge caravan and subject us to the most horrendous eight to ten hours of our young lives. Even in writing all of this down, and speaking about it this morning, um, I'm having trouble finding adequate language to convey to you how terrible this was for my 14-year-old self. I cannot sufficiently describe how one too many wrong turns coupled with one too many emergency breaking situations, not to mention a younger brother who clearly had no concept of personal space, has continued to affect me. I still get anxious when I have to be in the car for more than 20 minutes with my parents. But the sermon today is not about my traumatizing and repressed childhood experiences. It is about God, who of course was present and with us through many of those travel experiences and whose name I heard exclaimed in a variety of contexts. But the sermon today is about how we the church universal, relate to God during times of transition and traveling. We are clearly moving from one place to another, but how we get there, how we navigate new and unfamiliar paths, how we relate and respond to one another is what I want us to start talking about. And it is my hope to use my family as an example of what we should not be doing. Now, just to start here, if the concepts of um, and ideas of traveling, transition, and movement seem out of place to you, I want to take a minute to acknowledge that we may not yet all be starting from the same place. And I want to try and offer some context and some clarification as to what I'm talking about when I say the church is moving. Firstly, without question, just very in our past, the events of this past summer have affected our congregation in a very substantial way. And there are still many conversations and discussions that are taking place to help us navigate our understanding and our response to the sin of white supremacy. These conversations, along with hospitable community engagement, will need to continue 
primarily because we are called to be a witness to the overwhelming love of Christ, but also because of our proximity to Emancipation Park and our desire to be a downtown church. August 12th of this year, 2018, falls on a Sunday. So together with our new senior pastor, we will need to prayerfully consider all of the implications that accompany that information. And that's the second thing. We're getting a new senior pastor. I know. I, this, I, is this news to you? Uh, <laughs> pastoral changes are times of great transition in the church. We acknowledge the strength, compassion, and graces of our outgoing pastor while welcoming and affirming the gifts and vision of a new one. And who knows what she or he may be like. Just like when I came on as an associate, um, it's going to take some time for us to acclimate to the newness of their ministry. God is certainly calling us into a time of transition, a season of travel, and it has the potential to be one of hope and joyful anticipation. Or it could be like my family vacations, where we draw imaginary lines down the back seat and turn our headphones up as loud as they can go. But if all of that wasn't enough, there are also some very transformative and church-altering conversations taking place within the United Methodist Church. Up in the hierarchy of the bishops in the general conference, they're discussing uh, sexuality and the ordination and marriage rights of LGBTQ peoples. These decisions will have um, very real and tangible effects on how we do ministry. The decisions and what they might mean for our congregation are vital conversations that need to be taking place because God is going to do something. God is going to move the church somewhere. And we can either be in a mode of crisis management or we can be in a mode of change management. Now, as to what those changes will be, I don't know. Al doesn't know. Jim Berlin doesn't know. Tom Berlin, the bishop, nobody knows. But what I do know is that there is a special commission on a way forward that was called into being by the bishops. Um, they've been working on this for almost a couple of years now. The commission is made up of 32 United Methodists, a mix of bishops, pastors, deacons, and laity. Um, and they are, have a very uh, designated and specific task. They are tasked with designing a way for being church that maximizes the presence of a United Methodist witness in as many places in the world as possible, that allows for as much contextual differentiation as possible, that balances an approach to different theological understandings of human sexuality with a desire for as much unity as possible. So all of that basically means is that they're trying to discern how we're going to be the church in 2018, where America and the country we live in have different sets of rules and laws and social understandings than other parts of the world, where being homosexual, homosexual is illegal and could end in death. How do we still be a united church with those different understandings? 
Now, there will be more information about the commission on a way forward coming out um, in the next few months and in April, but you are, of course, encouraged to begin looking into it before then. After Easter, Al will be leading a special study on human sexuality and the unity of the church. And I believe Hugh Schaefer has a presentation that he can offer to your Sunday school class or small groups. And there's also just a ton of information online that you can access. So these are the kinds of things I'm talking about when I say words like movement, traveling. These three transitional and transformative matters present unique and powerful opportunities for our church to do something that most churches don't normally like to do. They offer us an opportunity to draw closer to God, closer to each other, and to go somewhere, to travel, to change, to transform, and to move. Now, as I said, as to how we do that, and as to how well we do that, it's going to take all of us. We who are now gathered in the back of the Dodge Caravan that is First United Methodist Church, how will we travel together? Will we use modern means of navigation? Will we listen when someone wants to pull over for food or a restroom break? Will we share our batteries and phone chargers? We know from last week that we're not going to have any baggage with us, from our sermon last week. So we know there'll be plenty of room for everyone who wants to be here with us. But the church is moving. And as we begin to think about where we might be going and what the journey will be like, it's also helpful to think about kind of where we've been and where we are. Since August of last year, our Sunday mornings have focused on forgiveness they focused on the unity and diversity of God's gifts. Weave, weave, weave us together. Do you remember that? We've, start, we've started with our exile from Eden. We followed the story up to Christmas of God's reconciling love and the birth of Jesus. And most recently, our worship theme now is The Road Less Traveled, a guide for disciples in troubled times. My friends, my sisters and brothers, these are indeed troubling times. And our journey together will not last a mere eight to ten hours, but will most likely occur over the next two years. And the roads that we will have to go down are not only unfamiliar, but in many ways are unmarked and even unfinished. There are no maps for where we're going. And so when you step back to think about it, as of February 4th, 2018, there's a lot of things that we just don't know. We don't know who our new senior pastor will be. We don't know what this summer will bring to downtown Charlottesville. And we don't know what the commission on a way forward will ultimately propose to the bishops and general conference. But I am here this morning to tell you that there are some things enough things that we do know. And that is the word that God has for us this morning. You see, for all our uncertainty and for all our frustrations, fear, and anxiety, this is not the first time that the church has gone through a transition. 
time and time again, God's people have been uprooted and moved. There are literally entire books of the Bible dedicated to this very subject. Even here in our text this morning, God is speaking through Isaiah to make God's presence known and to comfort a group of people who endured captivity and exile to a people who knew what it was like to unwillingly travel to an unfamiliar land. So here again, in light of our upcoming travels and movements, the words of the prophet Isaiah. This is a loose translation. It's going to be okay. Isaiah 40 starts, comfort, comfort. It's going to be okay. Have you not known? Have you not heard? Haven't you been hearing these stories all of your life? Can you hear them in the songs of our children? These are truths that were set in motion from the beginning of creation itself when the foundations of the earth were laid. It is God who is in control. It is God who reigns in heaven and looks down upon us. It is God who created this earth and has dominion over it. There are no queens, no kings, no presidents, no senators, delegates, rulers that even come close to the awesome power and majesty of God. These princes and rulers don't amount to anything like seeds barely rooted, just sprouted. They shrivel when God blows on them. Poof. Look at the night skies. Who do you think made all this? Who marches this army of stars out each night, counts them off and calls each of them by name, so magnificent and powerful, never overlooking a single one? They're all accounted for. So in these troubled times, as you travel down unmarked and unfamiliar roads, remember all of that. What God has begun, God will finish. It's bad enough to have evil thoughts rise in our minds, but worse yet, to turn them into evil words. Why would you ever complain or whine, saying, God has lost track of me? God doesn't care what happens. God has left us to our own devices to wander alone. Have you not known? Have you not heard? Those who are ignorant of this are willingly so. The Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth. God doesn't operate like we operate. God does not think like we think. Where God has begun the work of grace, God will perfect it. God will help us through this. And for those who put their trust in the Lord... For those who humbly call upon God's name, they shall be lifted up and ascend far above the chaos and pain of this world. So let us watch against our unbelief, our pride and self-confidence. If we go forth on our own strength, thinking we know what we're doing, we know where we're going and how to get there, we will faint and fall. For those who wait upon God get fresh strength. They spread their wings. They soar like eagles. They run and don't get tired. They walk and are not left behind. In one of her most recent sermons, the bishop of the Virginia Annual Conference, our bishop, Sharma Lewis, 
asked this question. She said, are we bold enough to hold God to God's word? That's a powerful question. Are we bold enough to believe that God will follow through on what God has told us will happen? Are we patient enough to step back and let the Holy Spirit do its work? Are we humble enough to admit that there are times when we don't know just quite where we're going or what we're doing? And are we willing to literally let go sometimes and say, Jesus, take the wheel? In these times of trouble, transition, and travel, our greatest asset lies in the constant presence and guidance of our benevolent Lord. This is true for the global church, it is true for the local church, and for every individual who is sitting in here today. If there are trials and tribulations that you are enduring, if there are people in your communities that are hurting, broken, sick, or lost, if you wake up every day feeling weary anxious and unclear about where you're going. If you feel stuck, like you're trapped in the back seat of a Dodge Caravan with a mouth-breathing younger brother who's poking you with a Slim Jim, God is with you. The everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth, is with you. God does not faint or grow weary, was with the Israelites for 40 years. Surely God can be with us for the next two. His understanding is unsearchable. God gives power to the faint, strengthens the powerless. Those who wait for the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. Throughout all that has come before, God was with us. In everything happening now, God is with us. And because of that, I have every reason to believe that God will continue to guide us through this journey. We just have to be intentional about how our family will travel together. Amen.